sounds you are about to hear are true. MC's names have been changed to protect the innocent. The innocent. Hello and welcome to, seems like we haven't been here in a while, but uh, State of Texas podcast brought to you by stateoftexas.com here talking about the Houston Texans. Um, we kind of waited for the news to kind of pile up so we could put together an episode. You know us, we don't like making up fake stuff uh, to talk about things or fantasy ideas or anything like that. We like real news so we can talk to our listeners, uh, give our thoughts about everything that's going on. Uh, but you know how this goes. Got to bring in my good friend, Texas Cleve. Cleve, how are things going? Still prospering. Still still killing it in the in the COVID. We're doing great. Killing good it to be the, back. Killing it in the COVID. I don't know if that's proper, but we'll use it. And also, uh, back and in charge, Claire. Claire, how are things going? Good. We're just flying by the seat of our pants over here. No, there's no flying by the seat of our pants. We know where we're going. Okay, as long as you have a clue. We know where we're going. We know where we're going. We upgraded um, all of our technology while you were gone, so hopefully things are a little bit clearer uh, on on our listeners' end as we go. Um, Next podcast, we'll probably take some listeners' questions, but we have so much to discuss, so much to talk about. We haven't talked since the draft so it's been a little while since we've had any type of discussions. So what has happened since then? As we know, Laramie Tunsil uh, is a Houston Texan. We, did, we touched on that briefly uh, last time. Uh, it feels briefly. I, in, in just a quick rundown, the Texans signed him for a three-year extension worth $66 million. Uh, people freaking out about $22 million per year. But the Texans got him, uh, Tunsil. Uh, to play on his fifth-year deal of his rookie deal with the Dolphins. And now that contract averages out to $19 million a year over four years. So depends how you want to look at it. Depends if you want to freak out about the $22 million extension or do you want to look at it over the four years and what money's left. But either way, Laramie Tunsil, if it's $19 million per year or $22 million per year, however you want to talk about it at the water cooler, Laramie Tunsil is the highest paid offensive lineman in the NFL. Good for him. Yeah, I mean, good for him. I mean, that's kind of what you want. Everybody kind of knew what they were expecting. Uh, I tried to help out, uh, put some of these fires out. There's a lot of discussions regarding why the Texans did not sign Laramie Tunsil right away. Um, After he was traded from Miami, uh, I asked Laramie Tunsil point blank, uh, it was actually the final question of that conference call with Laramie Tunsil regarding the situation. And I asked Laramie Tunsil, so we asked Laramie Tunsil, I asked him point blank, there was questions if uh, there was a deal in place regarding uh, the idea of Tunsil signing an extension with Houston when he came over. And to put it all out there, because it's an important thing, because the, the Texans have been getting drug. Uh, regarding the Tunsil situation, they should have signed him right away. Bill O'Brien has mentioned that, you know, he was going to get paid either way. But I asked Laramie Tunsil, and here is the audio, point blank, from Laramie Tunsil from his conference call with the media. Okay, last one from Pat. 
Larry Mae, bring, bring, bring it home, Pat. Come on now. <laughs> Larry Mae, congrats on the deal. Um, when you. you were brought over from Miami, Miami, were you open to uh, an extension or did you have to see what the Texans were all about for because it was just a short time before you were you were traded? That's that's a great question because extension wasn't really on my mind. I was just shocked that I got traded from Miami to Houston and, and then I had to play in the game in a couple of days so extension really wasn't on my mind and, and you know I'm glad we got it done with the Texans I'm, I'm glad to be a Texans for the next three or four years and excited to be in this position man so Laramie pretty much point blank says what a lot of people were wondering and guessing at I think he said it pretty clear that you know, it takes two to tango. It takes two to tango in terms of what the Texans wanted to do or what Laramie Tunsil wanted to do. Remember, they traded for him just a, a week, five days before that Monday night football game. Laramie didn't care. Like, that was the last thing on his mind. And I think there's a lot of things that go into it. And I think Laramie gave a pretty truthful answer there. I mean, Laramie, when he gives answers, he, he's pretty straightforward on, on what he said. Yeah, I mean, I think he wanted he wanted to fill out the situation. I'm pretty sure he had mentioned previously in that same press conference that he was shocked whenever he was traded. Like, yeah, you know, there's media reports of what happened leading up to the trade, and he knew before the trade. But it was immediately before the trade, like hours before the trade he knew. Um, so, and he would said he would trade himself for that, too, for the amount the Texans were giving up for him. Um, but... You, you want to feel it out. You're committing to something totally new and different that you're not even familiar with. And so it just makes sense. He didn't have to sign anything when he got here. Why would you just agree immediately? There was no reason for him to. And so, you know, you can see why he waited it out and wanted to weigh his options. Yeah, I mean, I don't recall there being a substantial window of time in which to pre-negotiate a new contract before that trade went through. You know, we were on the precipice of having whatever his name was, the sorry-ass player who got $4 million for nothing. We were on the precipice of him playing. So, you know, they did this Laramie deal. As I recall, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was pretty last minute without a real opportunity to do much pre-trade negotiations. Yeah, that window was small. I mean, at that point, the the idea was where the hell's Matt Khalil <laughs> Why isn't he practicing? Where has he been? And then next thing you know, you no longer see him again. And next thing you, we all know that Laramie Tunsil's there. But I thought it was important to ask Laramie that because there's a lot of questions, and even from national media, regarding the situation with the Texans and Tunsil. Why wasn't there a deal done? Why wasn't there one in place? But as you mentioned, Cleve and Claire, that there just wasn't enough time regarding the Tunsil situation to get something done. But now... He's part of the Texans. He's part of this group moving forward. And again, I think what we talk about the big plan, you talk about what direction the Texans are going. And um, I remember when we cranked up the podcast again, it was shortly after the Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins. And then uh, we start finding out more and more information. And then when you start putting this puzzle together, right or wrong, that the Texans are putting together, led by Bill O'Brien you're realizing this puzzle started in 2019 in terms of clearing out money. Clearing out money to try to find ways to, to bring players in, bring them back. Well, 
It started with Laramie Tunsil. Unfortunately, one of our favorites. Everybody knows how we feel about Jadavian Clowney. How about him as a player, a guy that's still unsigned as a free agent. Uh, I don't know what the deal is regarding that. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's a team. Uh, Seattle seems to just be boxing him out in terms of money available for him. Uh, so there's a lot of, you know, you hear all these different things, but all these moves have added up to where we are now, protecting their biggest investment, not only with protection on the field with Laramie Tunsil, but now with a contract. And after they got done with the contract with Laramie Tunsil, which was their first priority, those contract discussions started in February, right at the end of the Super Bowl was uh, completed. Now it moves to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson now, the Texans, they've all started the preliminary talks. Now they're moving forward to try to find a way to get this done. I mean, there's no longer the idea, and I think everybody will understand when it's all said and done, why DeAndre Hopkins was moved out in terms of money-wise. The Texans have the money to sign DeAndre, I mean, to sign Deshaun Watson. We're looking at a contract that's going to be close to $40 million a year, at least. When I first started thinking about this, I felt like not only did the Texans need to wait for Dak and Mahomes so they could figure out where Deshaun fit, I'm totally the opposite end now. I think that the Texans do not need to wait for anyone. I think they need to sign Deshaun Watson as quick as they can in terms if they can find something with Watson uh, that works for them. Make the Cowboys and the Chiefs do their thing. Don't worry about what they do. Please, Deshaun Watson, make him the highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Because here's the reality of it. If... Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs sign their deal first. Deshaun Watson will never be the highest paid player in the league, ever. And I think there's some incentive for the Texans to throw, a, throw an olive branch out to Watson and his, and his agency to say, you know what, we believe in you, we think you're the right guy. That's just from, and we'll have discussions moving forward. I mean, there's times where me and Cleve will even question, is Deshaun really the guy? We'll just leave it plain and simple. Does Deshaun Watson give a, the Texans a chance to, you know, when you look at the landscape of the NFL, does Deshaun Watson give you a better chance than most quarterbacks to win football games? The answer is yes. And, and I think it's as easy as that. And then we can get into all the, 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 the details. But they're building a team around Deshaun Watson. And now I'm to the point now, Cleve, where I don't even think they need to wait. They just need to find the common ground. If they can get it done before uh, the start of the season, that's what they need to do. I'm understandably a little bit concerned with the front office as currently constructed, determining what the highest paid quarterback in the league is worth and how to structure that contract. Um, that's me though. You know, they're going to end up signing it, signing him. Cause like you said, he's their guy. If he's, if he's your guy, you got to sign him. The question is for how much, and I think you're zeroing in on it, comparing him to Dak, um, unless Deshaun's completely delusional and thinks he's as good as Mahomes, which is entirely possible. Uh, you end up in some interesting waters if you're having to explain to him that Mahomes can read defenses and distribute the ball and 
not take half games off and win a Super Bowl. You know, there's some distinguishing characteristics. That's my point. Um, so, but I don't know how you value it. You know, it's above my pay grade. It's going to be a lot. You know, whether it's before or after Prescott, you know, the window dressing of, hey, you were the highest paid quarterback in the league for an hour. You know, if that moves the needle, great. If that gets you a little bit of a discount to do it ahead of time, sure, by all means do it. But, you know, I don't I don't personally see why it would matter all that much when he knows that at least one of the two other guys are going to get more. Um, you know, it's a bit of a game of chicken, right? I mean, Deshaun's not without risk and not agreeing to a contract. There is some incentive for him to do it especially the way he plays the game. So I could see him being incentivized to do the big deal sooner rather than later. I'm not sure the Texans have the same incentive personally. Um, I, I don't see them being required to sign him as quickly as possible. It, I just don't see it, but you know, I've been wrong about such things before, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out, especially relative to the other two guys. I guess a lot of it also depends, too, on how they structure the deal, much like they did with Tunsil. Uh, the fact they got Tunsil to, to play his fifth year out on his rookie deal was a win for them, in my opinion, because you don't scrap that deal or you don't scrap that year. You're just adding that plus three to him. Maybe they find that balance with Deshaun that say, you know what, we'll give you that money, but we're not going to cut out those years because we want you for the long term. And here's what we know. Um, Mike Fisher from uh, that covers the Cowboys for SI. Uh, we've talked about this plenty of times because he feels like Dak Prescott is holding right now due to the fact that they know that Watson and the Texans are in discussions. He has not signed his franchise tag, which currently is at $31.409 million. He hasn't signed it. But there is a contract on the table for Dak Prescott that is reportedly, according to Fish, that is averaging $35 million a year with guarantees. This is not signing bonus, but total guarantees, including injury and signing bonus and all that, of $106 million. So the balance right now between them is four years versus five years. That's what's holding up. But now, knowing that Fish Fish is really plugged in with the Cowboys and all that other stuff, there seems to be a thinking that now there's a holding pattern because of Watson. Um, so there's your kind of bar. And Claire and I talked about this the other day. And Cleve, I, I, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on it too because Claire kind of gave me uh, her thoughts on it. But... The Texans setting the bar is only going to force a team like Kansas City to jump that bar because they're going to have to sign Mahomes for more than Watson because he's worth more because of, I mean, let's be honest, he's the MVP, he's a Super Bowl MVP, he's already won a ring. I don't think there's any question that Mahomes is the better quarterback than Deshaun Watson. Much like with Laramie Tunsil, they've made him the highest paid offensive tackle well, the Baltimore Ravens have Ronnie Stanley, or Staley, Stanley, one of, uh, Stanley, uh, their left tackle from the Ravens. He's coming up for a contract, and he's considered 
the top left tackle in the game by many. So the Ravens are going to have to probably jump Tunsil's contract. So my thought is, Cleve and Claire and listeners, is that the Texans, in my opinion, I think it's a part of the game within the game in terms of the salary cap. I might be giving the Texans too much credit here, but my thinking, no. <laughs> but my thinking is, is that if you start setting these bars high with your own players and you know that, hey, we're going to set it, but we also know that these contracts are going to be jumped, that when it comes time when those contracts are made, the Chiefs and the Ravens are going to have to make tougher decisions down the road based on Stanley and Mahomes' contract. And don't forget that Lamar Jackson is the quarterback for the Ravens. They're going to have to make a decision with him regarding contract-wise, not only because of Watson's contract, but Mahomes' contract. I think that there's some incentive to do it in that terms, too, because then you start screwing with their roster composition based on the structure of contracts and forcing those teams to make decisions. Yeah. You'd hate to have to pay a running back $40 million a year in Baltimore. That would be devastating. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I mean, there's some merit to that. I mean, I kind of don't like the kamikaze theory of it, of we'll just tank our own situation, knowing it'll tank everybody else. I know there was some thoughts of that when they signed the Tunsil deal, right? When he, you know, beat the highest paid, left tackle by like five million a year, three million a year. It was a substantial chunk uh, that they agreed to. So I'm sure the league's terrified of the Texans signing Deshaun for 40 million guaranteed a year. And now you're looking at Mahomes having to be at 42, 43. I mean, I get that. I, I, I just don't know that I subscribe to that being a, an overly wise trajectory. The one pause that every smart team has to have right now is the great uncertainty about where the salary cap's going to go in this post-COVID NFL. I mean, there's been talks about them losing, what, $100 million or $75 million off the cap? I've, I've, what I read, I actually talked to Texans cap last yesterday about the situation. So they're predicting close to $55 to $65 million off the cap next year regarding the situation uh, heading into next year, right? So if I'm a front office, I'm not rushing to sign Deshaun right now, period. Because what if that those numbers don't come back? Now you have now you have a disproportionate chunk of your salary eaten up by one guy when the ex, those salary expectations right now are based on previous salary cap numbers. When you chop that salary cap so substantially – I don't know that you allocate that big portion to to Deshaun. And around the league, nobody else is going to be able to do that either. So you're going to punish leagues who followed the rules and kept their team under the salary cap as it's currently written down the road whenever things are different and you implement different rules. That's what you think the NFL is going to do? I think they would say, look, here's the new salary cap. The Eight NFL, don't you think it'll be like forty million dollars over? Well, the NFL today, the NFL today increased the debt allowed to the teams today. They increased their debt allowed. Uh, I think debt. they, yes, because you can't cover your payments. I'm not talking about that. Well, that's I'm what I'm saying. Your salary? Cap. No, 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 they're preparing for these situations. And my question was to Texans cap. 
yesterday was, what do you think is going to happen with the quarterback market in terms of that type of situation with the COVID? He says, the way that he talked to me about it was he did not foresee, and even the people he's talked to, and he's plugged in with people that do this salary cap stuff and even in front offices that they do not see a dip in the quarterback market. They see a dip everywhere else outside the quarterback market. <laughs> mm-hmm. That it's the, it's the, it's the mid-level players that, that will get slashed before any of the other ones. I mean, it's, it's always that way, right? But you're talking about a severe drop. And the available cap. And if you think a collective group of self-interested owners who are known for nothing more than greed aren't going to find a way to start calling back these contracts, they'll eat each other to do it. They have a history of doing it. It's the whole reason you have a salary cap. It's an artificial device because some teams don't care about winning as much or they're located in dumps where they can't generate much money. Detroit, Green Bay. How do you, you know? get the Players Association to agree to that? Because the Players Association's completely neutered. It's the most useless Players Association of the major sports. But they can't go backwards on it due to the deal in place. I mean, they made agreements. But if They're the legal cap agreements. Is, if the cap is rolling down, I don't. I haven't looked at the agreement, but I don't think there's a floor on it. I don't think the assumption's always been that it continues to rise. Correct. But things change. Right. right? Suddenly but it, you have no fans at games. All your fans who would normally be idiots and buy a bunch of merch can't afford it because they're out of work. I mean, it'll be less of an issue in Texas, but it'll be a greater issue around the league where, you know, some states are big scaredy cats and maybe have bad DNA, you know? <laughs> so but as a layperson, it feels to me like wouldn't they knock pretty much everyone's pay down percentage wise like wouldn't everyone get a same percentage knocked off of their income as opposed to saying each team's what you agreed to before is invalid it's screwed up we can't i don't know it just seems like that's totally unfair and it's arbitrary like how are you going to pick and choose which so say which a team has owner? if we're playing with funny numbers right the salary cap was a hundred million dollars now it's 60 million dollars Okay, Team X, your salary's at $75 million. Okay, well, you got a cut. Yeah. I, that, that's the way they've always done it. You just... Well, I think the, the, the problem that you're going to run into is the guaranteed money that you have. If your guaranteed money outweighs the cap, that's going to be where the problem hits. The NFL is going to have to figure out a plan to make sure that guaranteed money, granted... This COVID situation is is what it is, right? The one thing that we do know, the Texans are operating in such, and so are NFL teams operating in such that the COVID situation is not going to, they're not worried about it. I mean, they just signed Laramie Tunsil to the largest deal. We know more deals are going to be thrown out, out there. So they're might be a discussion behind closed doors where they're telling you to operate as normal. I do understand what you're saying in terms of, you know, if the salary cap does drop, what do they do? But then, like you said, if we're using the funny money and it drops down to 60 million and all the guaranteed money that you have to pay to players next year in this COVID cap space is 72 million. 
What are you going to do then? Now they got to go to Jacksonville. Huh? I, I, I think mean, I don't know. I don't have the answer. All I'm saying is before I agree to a monstrous contract like that, I would want some clarity about the NFL's plans on a decreasing salary cap and, and how that's going to weigh against future contracts. Because, look, the NFL, if they have a way to claw back money away from players and get away with it, they 100 percent will do that. Well, then this is the time to do it for Deshaun Watson, then, because sign him up 50 mil, 50 Let's mil and say, oh, sorry, I'll be can pay you 26. Yeah, sign for fifty mil, ten years, five hundred million. Sorry, Mahomes. Damn, you got to jump that, and yeah, see, there you go. Yeah, sorry, Kansas City, y'all don't exist anymore. That's right. You got to take your shitty sauce barbecue and shove it up Carolina's ass. <laughs> but I think, but I, I do think, you know, sans COVID, I, I do think that there's incentive for the Texans to continue to stay aggressive. It seems like that's like the idea behind everything that Bill O'Brien does is, is aggressive at all costs with some type of, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think, I think of like a it's bulletin board, like he doesn't even have a goddamn dry erase board or a computer. He just has a bulletin board with strings and pens and crayons. Yes. This is what it's, we need to do. He's big on risk. He's big. on. What's risk. 50 times 10. Okay, Bill, it's 500. That's the number for Deshaun. Flipping a coin. What should we give him? Two fifty or two seventy five? Year one. <laughs> no, I, I think it's an interesting situation uh, for the Texans because uh, now they're moving in that direction. That you know, they're opening the door to try and get it done before the season starts. Uh, luckily for them, the season probably won't start for a little while, so <laughs> they'll have that. Time <laughs> they'll have some extra out. time to do things. Yeah, how's that going to work? Are we going to open the season in Texas, but then? California is going to be cowering in their little 1,200 square foot, $2 million houses. Hey, we're already. Everyone has such different plans. Every state does. Hey, Arizona's already opening up. And California staying closed for extra months. The California teams are already looking outside of the state to conduct training camp at different places. Apparently, the Greenbrier has turned into the uh, hot spot. Huh, ahead of the curve. <laughs> because West Virginia is already opening up. Yep. And apparently, the Greenbrier. Uh, has turned into the hot location for NFL teams to lock down. So, mm. but only one team can get there because they only can handle one team. But that's where they're at now, and you know it is what it is. Uh, Just need Elon to buy the Niners, move them to Texas, and let's be done with it. Moving to San Antonio, the yeah, the Kudandera, the, the Kudanderas will go out there with their chicken feet and bless freaking the Alamo Dome, and they won't have to worry about anything. Nothing. So, They're square. They're clear. That's and right. You know, Elon could put up a stadium in like maybe three hours. Yeah, he could. That is true. So um, Texans themselves. Let's see. We talked about Tunsil. We know about that. Watson. Um, what other house cleaning situation? Tashawn Gibson was released. Texans actually saved some cap space regarding that. I think around, what, three, four million not going to say we told you so, but we told you so. Um, you seem to have predicted that about two months ago, mm-hmm. reading the, the writing on the walls. Look, yes. the more and more you looked at it and, and reading tea leaves and then you start asking people and then you start figuring out things. Look, listeners, we're gonna, I'm going to give you one key secret. And if you've been listening to Bill O'Brien enough, 
you've been listening to this podcast enough too. We're not going to lead you astray. But then as this started moving towards the draft, Bill O'Brien, when he started talking about the secondary, mentioned everyone. Except. Except to Sean Gibson. I mean, you can figure it out just by listening. Yeah. Context clues, people. Context clues. And then when that happened. That's uh, part of what it means to be a reporter. Right. You would think. <laughs> you know. Don't want anyone <laughs> thinking that there's any tomfoolery going around or anything like that. Right. So, uh, so that was uh, way down the line. But we were even talking before Bill O'Brien even started discussing when you start looking at Eric Murray's contract in that terms and and the fact that Jalen Watkins came in, I mean, they have three guys they feel like that, that can fill that, plus A.J. Moore. I mean, we'll see what they end up doing. Uh, Justin Reed continues to bang the drum for Eric Reed. I don't know where he fits. I was looking at some of his <laughs> coverage stats, and he's a mess. He might be worse than Tashawn Gibson. Uh, so, you know, I'll give it up to Justin Reed, though. He's still beating himself up over that play down at the end zone. And uh, somebody had tweeted a, a replay of that great toss down to the goal line that he just missed. And he said something about, we'll try that next year and I'm not wearing a shoulder brace, which sounded like an excuse until his follow-up tweet was, he thinks about that play every day. Yes. Which is the sort of neuroses you need to have if you're going to be an elite player. So I like it. Yeah, for sure. You want him to have a chip on his shoulder. Lonnie it. Johnson on Sports Talk 790 with Wex on the A-team mentioned, uh, they asked him, I think they talked to him right after the uh, uh, the schedule release, or before the schedule release, finding out they were opening up against the Chiefs. We'll talk real quick about the schedule because we'll give our thoughts on the schedule. But Lonnie Johnson said he has he has watched the game and he takes what happened that game personal, and he cannot quit thinking about that game in the good. divisional round. Good. good, Now, there's one person you don't want to make anything personal against. It's Lotto himself because he, he'll probably <laughs> – he'll find a way to get back at you. Gary, but Indiana. those are two guys, and I think that's the type of mentality you want from your players. Like you said, Cleve, you got Justin Reed who said, yeah, you know, you can't get out of his mind injury or not, and then you got a guy like – Lonnie Johnson, who can't shake it either in the terms of what's going on. Uh, so it was really interesting to hear all that uh, regarding. Yeah, he says that publicly. You know the game he's got circled on the calendar is the Packers game. Oh, <laughs> he's got quite a few of those games circled, Packers and Chiefs. Yes. Now hopefully he can just learn some technique and uh, we'll be in good shape. But I- well, we might just talk about Lonnie Johnson. Wrote an article about him. He's been working right. with the the Footwork King. It seems like Footwork King makes a buttload of money off of helping defensive backs improve their feet and all that stuff. But Lonnie Johnson's only been playing cornerback. This will be his fourth season ever. He was a safety coming out of junior college, and he just said he didn't work on those things that, like the Texans had him work on the fundamentals, the fundamentals of footwork and things like that. So you see a lot of people really down on him. Like, well, he didn't, you know, he's not very good. But when you start looking at his journey on how he played, I don't know how much technique they were teaching at Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> they know? don't teach much technique so. anywhere. Right. They don't That's teach true. much technique in the NFL either. They kind of expect you to know it from like peewee, middle school, high school football. And then you're in college. Just go cover that guy. Right. It's why you have to draft elite athletes Mm -hmm. and then dedicate the resources to to teaching them the craft, the art of playing the sport. 
and, you know, and then so you, then it's you, a natural trajectory for a guy like Lonnie, who's you know a blueprint of what you'd want as a cornerback, both physically and athletically. You fill in these little pieces, and then you have something, and then you hope that they take the time out away from the game to continue to build their game because that's the key. Yeah, you know, because they're going to get their work when they're under your watch. It's the guys that outside of the game. Do they continue to, to, to do that? Do they continue to work? Do they continue to, to be that guy? And, and that was something interesting that I had to go back and look at Lonnie Johnson. Just, you know, he admitted, I haven't been playing this position very long. He's already learned things and found things that have helped him since then to help him out. I mean, Lonnie Johnson's what, 6'1", 6'2", almost 220? I mean, this isn't a small child. So it's just an interesting situation. But I'm excited to see what he is. And, again, people are always worried about the cornerback position and all this other stuff. But that's what you want to see. You want to see your young players. Remember, this guy, he was a second-round pick. I mean, yeah. I mean, he's not a slouch. Mm-hmm. You know, Their last three second-round picks were Max Sharping, Lonnie Johnson, and now Ross Blacklock. I mean, that's, that's an right. interesting group. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are all guys that they expect to start. Uh, at some point, we already know Sharping is, but that, that's what you want to see uh, in terms of that. But as we know, Tashawn Gibson was released. He's already been signed by the Bears. Um, the Texans opted not to pick up Garyon Conley's fifth-year option. That fifth-year option would have been around $11 million. Um, much like Vernon Hargraves, the idea of picking up a big cap number and you start running out of money, you better start figuring out a direction. They still like Garyon Conley. Again, much like Hargraves, they want him back. They just weren't going to pick him up at that fifth-year option. My guess is they'll continue to start. They'll continue to start dealing with him uh, on the offseason, trying to find a way to keep him uh, for the long term. But we'll, we'll see. But it's an interesting tactic, one way or the other. So. Anything on that? No, good. <laughs> no, we're good. I'm surprised. I think we're bearing the lead on the uh, JJ Watt boating accident. Boating accident? What? Oh, no, I'm just trying to make sure our listeners are paying attention. <laughs> Carry on, Pat. <laughs> Shit, making me pay attention. <laughs> oh, like, wait. Like, wait, wait a second. Wait. When did that happen? Yeah, he socially distanced himself right out of the, out of the, uh, anyway. <laughs> um, what else? Jonathan Joseph to pause the podcast. Jonathan Joseph signed with the Tennessee Titans. Amazing. You you can talk about, I think that what you were discussing with the most, I guess the, 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 the divisions in the NFL in which players get to keep the most money that they sign to, and the AFC South is pretty much in the lead because Florida, Texas, and Tennessee, right, don't have state income taxes. And so... What were we talking about? There was like an article or something? I don't know. You just started talking about it. I thought it was interesting. Oh, it was about taxes. Yeah. It was about how they file their taxes at the end of the year and how the AFC South is considered one of the quote-unquote best divisions for players. Because they have to file their taxes wherever they play the game. So if a player plays two games in L.A., a game for, against 
Oakland, well, Las Vegas, whatever. You, pl- you file your game check gets taxed for the state you played in. If you played for the Texans, but your team played in L.A., you have to pay California income tax, state income tax for that game, which is a trip. Yes. And so there's thoughts that when you start looking at overall ideas of a contract, all these other things, that the AFC South, especially the Texans, Titans, and Jaguars literally end up being prime spots for players to to go because state income tax state income tax yep and if you're playing a, a game in each of those locations plus your home games in a non-income tax state then you end up keeping more of your money so I just found that interesting like you notice a lot I feel like it it feels like a lot of former Texans players go within the division and to me, it seems like maybe that's the why. Maybe that's why they end up in the division because they want that those last few, you know, contracts and checks to have the most money in them. It also helps that Vrabel's there, but I yeah. think that's a big thing moving forward because eight of your game checks plus two other ones, yeah, have no income tax. It also helps you're going to teams that typically don't sign great players <laughs> and have low expectations. And don't have a history of winning. So you don't see the Patriots often sign aging veterans for a reason. So, you know, you kind of narrowed the pool a little bit when you're in the same division as Titans, Jaguars. True. Texans also are looking to hire a facility hygiene coordinator. They're the first team in pro sports to focus on hiring one of these positions, pretty much a super janitor. So progressive. Pretty much a super janitor in order to clean the entire facility uh, to make sure that uh, they're on top of this COVID situation when the entire uh, staff and team returns, which kind of segues into our next thing, is that the Texans – and the rest of the NFL are supposed to have in place by Friday a plan for the NFL's phase one of getting back to facilities to getting everyone back to uh, in place. When the NFL ends up lifting that restriction, we'll see. But the Texans now are starting to, to, to build that moving forward. So Most teams don't have a guy on staff that can just walk through the facility and bless it. Texans are a little ahead of the curve there. Used yes. to be a lot arrives at 5 a.m. and uh, continue on business as usual. Business as usual. There uh, it is. Let's see. The Texans now. Um, what's the proper term for this? The Texans had their schedule released. And first of all, schedules itself is dumb. True. NFL knows how to squeeze everything out of everything. Factual. And a lot of people are the most useless thing is trying to predict wins and losses. Right, because things happen. Rosters aren't done. And especially now. And going on. You know, strength of schedule and all this goofy stuff, right? I get it. 
I mean, I think the only thing you can really look at is kind of the nuts and bolts of possible quarterbacks you're facing when the bye week hits and kind of when your division opponents hit. Yeah. That's kind of, in yeah. my opinion, what you're looking at. I mean, you can look at how strong your opponent's team is. Like, your their first game is against the current Super Bowl champions. Okay, <laughs> that's, that's a big matchup. But as, you, as the season goes on, attrition happens and other things occur, so... So for the Texans, they uh, get, quote-unquote, two primetime games because Thanksgiving is considered a primetime game, according to the NFL. So they start off on Thursday night football to open the NFL schedule against, as Claire said, the defending Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs. And, like we said, later on in Week 12, they travel to Detroit to face the Lions for a Thanksgiving turkey showdown, like at a 12 o'clock excitement thing so when you look at this schedule for the texans i think the big thing the only thing that really stands out to me is their first three games it's like a total gauntlet of probably the top four teams in afc my opinion probably in that order since big ben is supposed to return i hear that he's not working out very well which is not surprising um but the Texans. Big Ben's got the COVID 100. <laughs> yes. The Texans travel to Kansas City. Then they host the Ravens in week two. Then they play the Steelers in week three. And of course, week four against the Vikings. You know, Vikings, yeah. Whatever. Vikings, yes. But those first three games are, are pretty, pretty interesting for the Texans. Um, I don't know. It it is what it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's not much they can't escape it. My opinion is, thank goodness they're playing that schedule to start off the season, right? And not later in the season. I mean, at least you have your team at probably optimal health going into the season, hopefully. And I mean, you're as you're as good as you're probably going to get, even though you haven't got to gel and play together in NFL games or whatever people think. I don't know. Some of the things that I find interesting, uh, this was on Bet Online. We put it up on the site. The Texans are actually oddly somehow underdogs to the Cleveland Browns, the Detroit Lions, and the Chicago Bears. Okay. Yeah, it's the offseason. That's why. Happens every year. Every year, oh, Cleveland's got it now. Oh, look at their offense. Okay. I mean, it's, it's an annual tradition. Detroit? <laughs> okay, cool. And the Bears I- with MVP Trubisky. Okay. I mean, look, the only thing from Bet Online that made me kind of raise an eyebrow was the disrespect of an 11 point Chiefs advantage over the Texans in week one. For those of you that don't gamble, that's a big number. That's basically great team against bad team. That's what that number says. So I found that one interesting. But it's the annual tradition. Cleveland. Oh, they got it now. Matt Stafford. Oh, this is his year. Look at look at that spiral. You know, we hear it every year. It's just the media's way. I mean, they, they get attention that way because then you have fans of that team. Because, okay, say the Texans have been perennial pretty much playoff team. That's kind of boring if you're looking at it from a national perspective. If you're able to go out there and say, hey, these two teams – 
that aren't perennial playoff teams are going to, you know, be win the division and yada, 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 and the Texans are going to be at the bottom of the barrel. Well, that's going to get you more attention than just saying, oh, the Texans are probably going to be in the playoffs again. So people will say whatever they can to get their attention. Maybe they're right. Who knows, honestly, at this point. Um, but I don't think that the Texans, outside of the loss of of DeAndre Hopkins, I don't think that they got significantly worse. And now they have more weapons and more places to throw the ball to and less focus on one wide receiver and more more guys, receivers to defend overall. I don't know. I, I don't see it necessarily being horrible. But at the same time, defense, I have questions. I don't know. It is what it is. We'll see what happens. Yeah, Texans need a player like Jadavion Clowney to solidify that defense <laughs> is what they need. Yeah, there you go. Come home, JD. I'd pay to watch that. No, I I just think it's interesting how it all. Would you rather Jadavion and Cam or Deshaun? (laughs) Is that really even like a question? You take Cam and Jadavion. Right. They're both out there. So, like, you could have both of them right now for the low, low deal of less than Deshaun's going to make. May 12th, this will go out May 13th, 2020. There's your choice. So I could make that deal right now. I don't see why not. You'd probably have to fire O'Brien, but that's another (laughs) win-win, right? So this is why I'm never going to own an NFL franchise. That and my father wasn't. Anyway, yeah. So you just wake up like tomorrow morning and said, you know what I want to do today? Today we're going to buy an NFL team. No, you, like if you did own an NFL team, that would be your choice. Like you wake up in the morning, hey, I need you to do me a favor real quick. I need you to make sure Cam and Jadavian are A-OK with coming here. We got a deal for them. And you have a team waiting for Deshaun, right? No, I'd, I'd franchise Deshaun. I'd play Deshaun all the way through his franchise tags. But that's because, you know, I'm not a roly-poly. But then you'd get all your picks back. Well, yeah, there's that too. So, yeah. See, I'd rely on someone like you to talk some sense into me. But uh, I just say, I just say, make sure. Hold on, let me shut down my all my emails real quick. So let me <laughs> shut down my emails and <laughs> notifications. Let me change my phone number. I'll tell you when real quick. <laughs> Claire, cut the lights off. I don't trust them. <laughs> cut off the NRG lights. <laughs> that'd be an interesting. That'd be an interesting deal. So, I don't know, listeners. Let us know what you thought about the the schedule. Texans only have two primetime games. I know people were upset about that, but the Texans literally have the most user friendly schedule. Outside of a few, I think out of the first two, three weeks, is some, you know, late night game, a 325 game. It's noon games all the way through. Yeah. I mean, we like noon games, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. They're the best. Right, just perfect. making sure. Noon's perfect. Noon is on the button. It's what we're Roof's already going to be closed. I like that. Yeah, it's hot. The sun comes beaming yeah. down. No one needs that. No need to open the rodeo roof. This is going swimmingly. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It's it's a it's a really good spot for everyone. 
Texans, uh, Larry Warford, Warford from the New Orleans Saints, three-time Pro Bowl offensive guard for the Saints. Now, Pro Bowl is used loosely now, so don't get excited. Pro Bowl doesn't mean anything. All pros what matters. Was released by the New Orleans Saints. Texans allegedly are interested in him, interested in him, along with, what, three or four other teams. I think I saw the Packers are interested in him. The Bills, some other teams. I don't know. But Texans apparently are interested in him. Um, everybody's ready to get rid of Zach Fulton, despite him only giving up one sack the entire season last year. I don't know why. but um, Probably somebody on radio, if I had to guess. Yeah. Um, but I wrote about it. Um, just because if Larry Warford ends up being an option here doesn't mean, in my opinion, Zach Fulton should be gone either. Your object is to keep talent in-house and if you can find a way to keep both of them you keep both of them so kick the tires on him whatever if if you feel like he makes him better he's a better run blocker than than uh zach fulton but he's definitely not a better pass blocker and it seems like the texans are going to throw the ball around the yard so i'm interested to see the thinking behind larry warford and why they would want to do that even though everyone's convinced that Larry Warford's the much better player than Zach Fulton, because everyone I've been <laughs> they've been staring at him playing in New Orleans for obviously every snap. Um, everyone knows everything about him. Kyle Mosley, who um, covers the Saints, I asked him to help me out. He wrote some thoughts down on on Warford. You know, Drew Brees when he hurt his thumb. Oh, it's because Warford missed his block. So, oops. There you go. Andrew Brees is five foot eight. Uh, true. True, he is. Man. But that's that's kind of where we're at. So off season COVID cleave ain't playing. No, he isn't. He's after everything. Anything that moves, he's gonna get you. <laughs> um, Deshaun Watson went after the Chicago Bears. I guess he was bored too with the COVID. Uh, he went after them saying that they never talked to him. During the draft process, people tried to pull receipts on him during the Rich Eisen show saying that he did talk to them on the phone back 17. uh, And then his quarterback coach said that Deshaun Watson lied during that to try to up his draft stock. So it was like a full fledged soap opera. A little bit like a Friday night because everybody was trying to pull receipts on everybody and stuff like that. (laughs) God, dog. Don't we have. That Wouldn't Deshaun remember? Well, wait, which quarterback coach? His personal Quincy one, Avery? Quincy Avery. Oh, God. So you know he's making shit up. So. Well, don't players do that, though, during the draft? They are saying, oh, I talked to this team and that team and this team and that team because you want player teams to think, oh, well, they might go get my guy. I'm going to trade up and go grab him real quick. I saw the fallout from this, and it turned into everything is racist Twitter. Wow. Well, that's where it started, though. Yeah, because Doug did. Williams, Super Bowl MVP for the Washington Redskins, imagine that, uh, said that if Deshaun Watson and or Patrick Mahomes were white, the Chicago Bears would have drafted them at number two. So that's how it started. Yeah. And then, like, even some, who was it, Roddy White came out and said – Something that it was in agreement with what Doug Williams said. Yeah. Do they not know that Pat Mahomes is half white? I don't know. Like, is that, that not relevant? Matters in people's I don't heads. think it matters. And then Doug Gottlieb is the one that set it off. And Doug Gottlieb is just purposefully abrasive and 
Rouge. So. Right, hold on. Let me see who that is. Doug Gottlieb? Yeah. He was the dude who was at Notre Dame, and he ended up, uh, he was... Stealing tra- credit yeah, cards. credit card theft, and he got in trouble for that. Now he talks hoops. He, and yeah, he, he's always a slightly racial undertone in things he says, and he's just abrasive and says really dumb stuff. He's like... We don't even need sports because ping pong and pool are the best sports available or something like that. Like actually positing that those were better than football or basketball or baseball or hockey. Oh, I've seen this. Yeah, he just kind of traffics in nonsense. He's like a coward or something. Like uh, what's his name? Colin Coward? Well, at least Colin's well thought out normally. Okay, I don't really pay attention. I just see things. He has a lot of time to fill. Um, Let's see. Gottlieb is Jewish. Uh, You know, the Jews love sports. Uh, I met his wife, Angie. Okay, anyway, I'll stop reading Wikipedia on this (laughs) high-volume podcast. Um, I mean, it makes no sense, you know? They act like every year we hear the same thing that every black quarterback is the first black quarterback ever, and they triumphed over all sorts of racism just to be the guy that throws the ball. I don't... And when it's Doug Williams, did they not mention the fact that Lamar Jackson got that treatment last year? Lamar Jackson was probably three when Doug Williams was winning a Super Bowl at supposedly a racist franchise because they honor Indians, Native Americans, right? It's all bullshit. All of it. Honor. Wow. Lamar Jackson overcame such odds to go to Division well, One powerhouse Louisville and I play think, for the best head coach in the country for a quarterback and then still gets drafted in the first round. Boo-hoo. Well, I think that all Doug Williams is saying was that maybe something directly, directly posed toward the Chicago Bears. Like, if there was a Southside Bears team like there is with the White Sox, you know, they'd probably draft Blacklock to be quarterback. I think. Uh, can he throw a spiral? Oh, well, you know he can. You've seen him. Well, he can dribble. He's an athlete. He can throw a spiral. That's my point, though. It's the, it's this undertone of you know, oh Cubs, White Sox, Chicago, Southside. Rough and gritty. It's just bullshit. I'm so tired of it. Everything's racist. At some point, people should just say, guess what? It's fine to be racist. Everybody's racist. Just admit your degree of it and don't act on it like an asshole. How about that? Yuck. Are we editing this? (laughs) I hope so. Are we? (laughs) No. No need to edit it. It's a bit of hyperbole. Yes, he's being a little facetious, but not entirely. I know exactly. Not entirely, but some. (laughs) Yeah, I'm well traveled. That's the difference. Gotcha. No, I mean I get it. I mean it's it's the way to move the needle. It's a way to get people going. It's it's all of that, right? I mean, you go back to Trubisky. The reason he got drafted is because there wasn't much film on him. But he had all the measurables. He checked the boxes, and there wasn't a lot to tear him down, which is why some players come out early. You know, you see it all the time. A third-year star comes back for his fourth year, and he went from a first-round pick to a third-round pick because he had a bad year. You know, 
And look, to set the record straight, I would have never drafted Trubisky because quarterback's the one position you want to see experience at. You need reps. You know, you need football at bats, basically. Um, So I would have never drafted Trubisky. But to say it's racist is just attention grabbing. Okay. I mean, that's how it usually goes. We we, we know how this – we know how – I mean, I don't know. It's just like you lose sports every now and then. I, I think it's easier now that the Twitter age has kind of opened the door for mm-hmm. it to be everything else but sports, right? And you can just say your thoughts. And I don't feel like Doug Williams has – maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I don't remember. But Doug Williams hasn't really been the type of attention-seeking, grabbing person that a lot of pro athletes can be. So I don't know. I mean, maybe he's just speaking his mind. Maybe he's just thinking a thought out loud in public and not really thinking of what am I going to have to deal with on the back end of this? I don't know. Yeah, Doug Williams always seemed like a good dude. Grand Lake State, Hall of Famer, you know. He's kind of chill. I don't know. I don't chill people. Anyway, it's fine. We can move on from this. What's next? (laughs) (laughs) Uh... What other position should black people not be able to play, Claire? I think they should play all anyway. (laughs) I hate Cleve every time. Every time he's got to be like this. J.J. Watt has the second best odds currently to be the NFL's comeback player of the year. Okay. Behind who? (laughs) He's white. I forgot. He loves him. Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, God. Those odds have got to change. They haven't seen Ben in the COVID. Mm-mm. He's doing coloring books with his kids. Mm-mm. AJ Green and Nick Foles are three. At AJ pl- Green's got a real shot, especially with Burrow throwing him the ball. At yeah. plus 600, and the next ones are Cam Newton and Matt Stafford at plus 800. How bad is it to be Matt Stafford? You have the same odds as a dude who's unemployed. Yeah, JJ's at plus 500 and Ben Roethlisberger's at plus 250. That's outrageous. Smart money's AJ Green. Okay. I get that. I'm surprised how much, like, I guess I never realized how much people are into betting. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot of people. Exactly. Like, Like, it blows my mind. Like, we've been pushed to put some more betting stuff up. People yes. just are want, into it, huh? Yes. That's crazy. People, and there's so many resources already available. Like, if I, if I get interested in thinking, I'd like to bet on this game, I have no idea where to turn first because there's so much information. It's overwhelming where to even start. <laughs> yeah. Pat, why do you think the NFL, why do you think sports are so big in America? It's not because they're buying hats and trinkets. No. I, I like hats and trinkets. Oh, trust me. I mean, I, I think... Cleve, you and I have discussed this. Claire knows. I mean, as this has gone on from covering the Texans, I think I think we talked about it's a decade this year, that you find out your followers change the further you get into this before it was fans. Then you find out a lot of your followers, a good portion of them, either work for a fantasy site, a booker, a bookie, uh Pat doesn't even know the words. <laughs> yeah, I know. That tells you how much I'm into it. Gambling sites. That's so awesome. Um, I mean, I, I'll tell you all now, I get 
at least one or two emails a day from gambling sites on odds directly I mean, focused on the Texans. If y'all start winning because of the information you got from the State of the Texans podcast, y'all got to cut us a little piece of the pie. You can't just keep it all to yourself. And I understand. Or at least support our sponsors. We right? got some things in the works. <laughs> and I understand. I mean, that's kind of what they're doing. It's marketing. And that just helps them out that, you know, the prop bets get put out there. And, oh, well, let me go look on their site. You know, if they just get one person to go bet on them. They're loving me right. or whatever. But the point is, is that you're getting information and then you're starting to realize like how many people are really interested in all this, but to see some of these things, like when I look at that line of 10 and a half of, of, of the Texans versus the chiefs, I'm like, Hmm, that's, <laughs> I'm not scared. Mm-hmm. But then I remember, the, the, the was it a couple of years Texans ago? Scared. I think the, the Texans versus the Patriots yes. at home on a primetime game, the odd, it was so ridiculous. It was a stupid line. And I'm like, we should do it. And then by the end of the game, we looked at each other. We was like, I'm Thank glad we didn't God do we it. we didn't put money on this. Because it was a double-digit line, and the, the, the Pats ended up covering it. Mm-hmm. It was bad. I'm pretty sure the, the record of 10-plus point lines in the Bill O'Brien era in just covering the spread, not winning the game, but covering the spread, is bleak. He's only so. done it once. I think he's, right. I think Which, he's. I think he's. They've been double digit dogs. What six times? Six or probably seven six times? Probably six or eight times, if I had to guess. Yes, and they've only done yeah. it once. So make it that what you will. Oh, trust me, that's like the things that sit in the back of your head. Maybe this is time. Well, the odds now. No, no. So no, that's a path to just being destitute. Unless you're like our boy Calhoun, stay off it. Yes, stay off of it. Look, one of the most loyal listeners of this podcast who I'm friends with, thankfully doesn't understand betting and gambling. And I've explained it in very, you know, kindergarten Gardenian terms and it's not registering. And I'm happy for it because I think he'd be homeless. So, (laughs) and it's not me. So y'all don't worry about it. Um, This should make you happy, Cleve, before we cut on to our next segment. Uh, Texans Ross Blacklock, two players that he studies, and he's already talked to one of them um, to make sure to improve his game. Two players that you think he studies, Cleve. Go. You probably um, no. Aaron Donald? Well, yes, of course. <laughs> you may have tipped that one already. Yep. Aaron Donald. Um, and the next one is a guy that he's already talked to. Gilbert and, Brown. Ooh. Not the grave digger, but right era. Hmm. John Randall? Correct. I could see him liking John. Wait, that's right? Yeah. <laughs> I could see him liking John. They both played <laughs> in purple. Players. That's, that's who he's talked to? Yes. Wow. He said he loves his yeah, intensity. So, yes. Those are the two players he patterns his game after, and he's already talked to John Randall, the Hall of Famer. Wait, what was the context of that conversation? Just talking about moves and just talking about intensity and, you know, those different types of things, improving his technique. In person, on a Zoom, at his house? I mean, we well, before. Know. I think before all this happened. So, oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. John Randall. Uh, Randall Cobb uh, was a guest of Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman's running a 24-hour Twitch live stream raising money for the 
Houston Food Bank, and Randall Cobb donated $10,000 to Alex Bregman. That was nice of him. Yeah. Bregman's trying to put some food on the, on the table. Bregman's trying to raise $3 million. And right now he's at one point eight million. He was at one point eight million like three or four hours ago, but it's a twenty four hour stream he's doing. Um and one dollar feeds three people. So, you know, Randall Cobb fed had thirty thousand meals today. Basically he donated through the Houston Food Bank. Yep. Pretty cool. How many? Thirty thousand? Yeah, yeah, with that ten thousand dollars. Yeah, oh, that's a lot of people. Yep. So, so good for him. He just said that he wanted to be a part of the Houston community and that's the best way he knew how to do it. Bregman said, I don't want to put you on a spot. He said, but can I ask you to sign a jersey so we can raffle off? He goes, yeah, I got you. He says, oh, and by the way, me and my wife want to donate $10,000. So it was kind of cool. So you can see that on the site or you can go on the Twitter and you can see I ripped the video and put it out there. So it's just kind of cool. Uh, but, Cleve, I know you'll enjoy this. He had DeAndre Hopkins on there and they were playing Madden. And they were keeping it. They didn't talk much about Houston or anything like that. Hopkins asked him who his favorite players from LSU were. And you know who they are, don't you? It was his first two uh, people that he brought to the Twitch live stream, I think, to start it off. Who's that? His next-door neighbors when he got to college. Mm. Juice Landry and Leonard Fournette. Leonard. <laughs> he said he said right, he said right. Juice was his next door neighbor and Leonard Fournette lived upstairs and when he first got there Leonard was out in the street playing football with his brother for 2 hours. Also now is you running back. Yeah. So also almost named Leonard. So it was Leonard no, and Leonard. No, with Bregman's so. brother. Oh, okay. That's why. But they say that Bregman says, because Hopkins asked him who his favorite LSU player is of all time. He said, Mm -hmm. my boys. Right. Hopkins said, no, no, no. Which one? There was another. Who was the other one he said? Tyron. Oh, yeah. Tyron Matthew. But he said, my boys, Juice and Leonard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So. Kind of cute. Everybody loves Leonard. Leonard's G, especially <laughs> when he went off on Jalen on that Zoom call. Was that Zoom call with the NFL or with the Jaguars media? Like, why she bring this up? <laughs> well, no, I think he was just, it I was forgot what Zoom it was. It was a Zoom meeting, and it, it was, was at least with the Jaguars media. So he said he, he went on a Zoom call, and he was talking about, what was it he was talking about? His favorite time. That oh, his favorite, felt- his favorite moment as a Jaguars when, yes. when, <laughs> when Jalen got beat up by A.J. Green. <laughs> <laughs> he said he was laughing. He said he was laughing, but he's still with his boy, though. <laughs> AJ Green says hi, Jalen. He put them hands on Jalen. I'm, I'm doing all I can to keep him off the podcast. Well, I'm about so. to go find that tweet. So I'm trying to find it, but I don't know. Lennett. Leonard is just an instigator. He's pretty hilarious. Leonard handles himself as if he's like a six-time All-Pro. Right? Correct. And it's funny because he was that level at LSU before he made it to LSU. Like, he's always been the guy since about seventh grade. Leonard's uh, in, He was always different. I'll never forget when Leonard was a freshman. Uh, 
I got credentials to go. I think they were playing Arkansas. It something at NRG Stadium. Yeah, like and Leonard was a freshman, and I'll never forget. I was sitting next to one of those newspapers from LSU, and when Leonard hit the field, everyone shut up. They said, "There he is." I'm like, "Who's that?" They're like, "That's Leonard Fournette." I was like, "Okay, and who is he?" They're like, "He's just." The greatest running back to come out of the state. I'm like, what? Yeah. Like he, and then I had to check in with obviously Cleve said, hey, who's this Fournette guy? Well, and then you get confirmation that this guy is like an actual black Jesus of Louisiana. (laughs) Since middle school. Yeah. Since middle school. And you can ask people that follow high school football that even aren't in Louisiana and they'll all tell you Leonard was different. He was on a different level than everybody else for years. He said um, on the Zoom call, his favorite Jaguars moment, when Jalen got his ass whooped, I cherish that moment every day. AJ Green put Jalen in a Kurt Angle lock. It was choking the F out of his ass. (laughs) Oh, my God. What a legend. Anyway, Leonard, if you're listening... We can't wait to like hear more. Just give us more. We need. Wait, more. where's Leonard? Is Leonard a free agent? No, no he's, he's still in Jacksonville, Jacksonville yeah. being held hostage. But I mean, they don't want him. He doesn't want to be there. What are we doing? Yeah, I don't know what. We don't want any is. of the guys on the roster now. Can we trade him for Da and Du Johnson? Can I ask you a question? What if the Texans sure. sign him as a third back for eight million, just to be their short yardage back? Okay. Who's the Who's the first and second back over him? David and David Duke. Johnson. Yeah, Duke. Well, you know Leonard can't Not catch. For long. <laughs> yeah, we know we know Deshaun can't throw to those guys. So okay, it's a match made in heaven. Well, it'd be a look. I'd be signing. I'd be signing Leonard's to make sure that you have kind of like you got to make Laramie Tunsil happy. So you bring in Tim Jernigan, bring his boy in from high school. You wanna you wanna throw the olive branch to get Jalen's attention? You bring in his boy Lennett. Yeah. Okay. Now suddenly you're not worried about Garion Conley being your <laughs> shutdown corner, assuming you can pay him when you give half your salary cap to Deshaun. Yeah. So uh, your top three players paid wise will be Gar- uh, Laramie, Deshaun, Deshaun and Jalen. Yep. Oh. About- I mean, that's a nucleus right there. Really I'm not sure a nucleus of what, but it would be fun. It's something for sure. Okay. I know we talked about it. We're kind of off track because we so had talked about There's nothing else to talk about. People are depressed. <laughs> right. They don't care. They're just like talk. Is it possible that within two years, yes or no? Claire, you're first. Jalen ends up in Houston. Go. No. God damn. I Leave. want to. Hmm? No. Mm-mm. They got one and two. I just don't see I mean, the chips falling that the way. The question is, can O'Brien get fired in the next two years? I think so. O- the answer to that is yes. Then sure, Jalen's on the board. If the answer to that is O'Brien has a lifetime contract because the owner's asleep at the wheel, then no. Wait a second. <laughs> I think O'Brien would be the one to do it. it he couldn't handle Jalen. He couldn't handle DeAndre, Jaylen, like, who's like the beta beta Jalen. Jalen. 
questions authority, I think, a lot. Okay. A lot. A um, lot. And he's coming from Doug Marone, who's going to be in – in O'Brien's group chat with some <laughs> dumbass from Notre Dame or Brown or something, and they're all going to be downgrading the guy constantly. So, no, yeah. it's mutually exclusive. The only hope that Desha- you would have is that Deshaun would work hard to get his boy there. No, he'll end up in Arizona. You have a young, youthful, future-looking coach. You have a midget quarterback who yeah. got his guy in DeAndre. By that DeAndre time... By that time, they'll have money sunk into Kyler, so that ain't going to work there either. Or they'll have a butt ton of cap space because they realize they still don't have a quarterback. (laughs) And then Jalen won't go there because he knows he won't win. I need to talk to Jalen again. We need to to sit down. We need to know what he's thinking. Well, I need to tell him what he needs to think. Okay, do it. Get him on board. On board the plan. Here's the plan, Jalen. Here's what you need to do. Bide your time till O'Brien gets canned, and then come on in. Bill O'Brien felt like they were fortunate to land Ross Blacklock in the second round. Of course he did. Well, I mean, again, <laughs> we were talking about, I mean, you even said it too. You felt like he was a first-round talent, uh, possibly falling into that, that range. Mac Brown, he was talking high about Charlie Heck, so... <laughs> Of course he did. <laughs> when you talk about a guy like Charlie Heck, oh, no. good football player, good family, good family man. Here we go. Um, you know Mac Brown loves good family. Oh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. It's about the family. Um, the Texans actually benefited from the Saints being greedy. Uh, the Saints did not want the Carolina Panthers to have a quarterback from Mississippi State named Tommy Stevens. The Saints were trying to sign him as a rookie free agent. Remember, the Saints had no picks left. They wasted all their picks. And going into day three, they were sitting and waiting. They were trying to sign this quarterback from Mississippi State to a rookie free agent deal. Found out that he had a deal in place with the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers have said, no, that's not true. Okay. Whatever. So the Saints called the Texans up and said, hey, you want this future six-round pick from 2021 for this <laughs> Mississippi State quarterback. So the Texans actually benefited from the Saints trying to stick it to the Panthers. Which I'm pretty much here for all the time. And That was a good story you landed there. Ended up benefiting from that situation. I'm glad. Deshaun Watson continues to be a leader. Charles Amenahu found out that Abbott was going to let up the restrictions of the city of Houston and said he was ready to get out and get on the street. And Deshaun Watson tweeted <laughs> whoa, at him, whoa, whoa. said, whoa, whoa, keep your ass at home. <laughs> That's the leadership you'd like to see. That's the leadership you like to see. Keep your ass at home. Yes. Um, is that it? I think so. There was something else. Cleve, you got anything? There was something around the league, and I'm 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 stumped as, as to what it was, and uh, it must not have been that great. Uh, Johnny Manziel almost died today or yesterday. God bless uh, his heart. Apparently, parting it up at a some dump of a lake in Arizona. It's always lakes in Arizona. The whole state of desert. People like to go to the lakes there. It's weird. Um, 
Yeah, he was doing his little cliff jump, triple X extreme style, and then slipped and bounced off the rock. Sort of like, you know, something you'd see on YouTube or something. But, man, I'm having to dig deep. I think that's yeah. it. Um, Let's see. Let's see if I have anything else. Does new uniform numbers entice y'all at all? No. No? Okay. Mm, who got a new number? <laughs> Entices Cleve clearly. Uh, Ross Blacklock is wearing our favorites number next year. Ninety. Ninety-eight. Oh. No, ninety, right? Yeah. Yes, he's in. Cool. Um, I'm, you know, I'd rather him wear something like one or two. <laughs> right. Bring it back. Yeah. Uh, people were upset that Brandon Cooks did not, for some reason, wear a ten. I'm glad he didn't. Right. Brandon Cooks is wearing thirteen. Randall Cobb's an 18. That's Braxton Miller's number. What is he doing? Uh, <laughs> Randall Cobb is wearing 18. Uh, Eric Murray will be wearing Carlos Hyde's old number of 23. I'll say it now, since we're in the depths of the podcast, every single time, week after week, you bring up Eric Murray, and I cannot believe that's not a late 80s rapper. And I think it's because I'm combining... Oh, who is it? I think I'm combining Eric Sermon and Keith Murray. Yes. And and I can't get it out. Every Literally every time I hear that name, I think they signed a rapper. Wait, no. Okay, he's not a rapper. So hopefully he'll change his name, Dominic Williams style. Um, so anyway, proceed. John Reed, the Texans rookie cornerback, is wearing 34. That's a positive because A.J. Bouye started out in 34. So that's a positive number. I am pleased to announce that Isaiah Coulter is bucking the system. What's he doing? He's a wide receiver yeah. wearing 82. Okay, let's go. That's my type of, yes. I like those numbers. Staying away from the 10s. Also, Tyler Simmons, the undrafted rookie from Georgia, is wearing 86. So, What's our big body Ben's doing from? Uh, big Z? Those, yeah. He's wearing 98. That's the one that's wearing Reader's number. Mm. He's wearing what? It DJ broke Reader's out. number. Okay. So, John Grenard's wearing 52. I'm trying to think the last person that wore 52 is Mingo. Yeah, Mingo. Octavius. <laughs> he had to go way back to Mingo yep. six hours ago. Also, quarterback from UT Chattanooga is wearing Nick. Uh, Nick Tiano is wearing uh, uh, Trevor Daniels' old number, number eight. It's too soon. I can't believe he dared. The last quarterback to wear that number, Matt Schauber. Yes. Um, we all know the whole listening audience is aware. Matt Schaub, number eight. He wasn't. The and only by the one. way, in protest, I didn't even put the new long snappers name in the new number. Yeah, I don't know what the what's up with that. <laughs> Sorry. No offense, Mister New Long Snapper, but my bad. This is not, this is not the place you start this crossing. John, John Weeks friendly podcast. Nope. You don't cross that line. Yeah, you picked the wrong hood if you're listening to this podcast. You interloper. <laughs> Feels like treason. Right? It is. It is treason. Um, I think that's about it. Okay. Okay. All right. We UFC Cleve has stuff to talk about, too, so we got to reserve some time. UFC Cleve always gets the time he needs. Yes. There's a lot to talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, I have. I mean, we're all up into all the random sports. We're watching this cricket show, which is legit. 
It's on what Netflix? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cricket Fever about the Mumbai Indians. Holy cow! Watch that. It's only eight episodes. You'll love it. Um, we watch. We try to watch KBO, Korean Baseball Organization, but they're on like crazy late night, early morning hours. Um, but of course, my y'all team, picked a team that was getting smoked by the team I picked. My team has lost like one game all season. Undefeated, Lottie from Busan. You're Sorry. not undefeated for long. The NC Dinos are real, and they my guy hit a walk off home run in extra innings to, this morning, so that was kind of cool. Um, KBO is fun. The cricket documentary is fun. Anything else we're into? Just the UFC. We've been watching a lot of UFC. There's one tomorrow, I guess. Cleve will talk about that. Um, I don't know. Just filling our time with whatever's out there. KBO is fun though, if you like baseball and if you can handle the weird hours. They're genuinely weird. Like, I have a strange body clock, and even I can't do it. No, I can't either. Okay, last thing before we cut out, and then y'all can figure out, y'all can keep talking about shows. No, we'll let Cleve handle Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, the Texans uh, deal with Miami's halfway done for Laramie Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Okay. Um, as we know, the Texans acquired Tunsil and Stills by sending that first and second and all that good goofy stuff over there. Um, oddly, the pick that the Texans sent, the, 30, uh, the 26th overall to the Dolphins, they ended up trading it to the Packers so they could trade to, to, to draft Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. Okay. The original pick, 111, in this year's draft, the Dolphins wanted it back. So they actually acquired it back from the Texans that they traded in the original deal. And they ended up giving Texans two fourth-round picks for that pick. So how many picks do the Texans have next year? They have seven already. Oh, that's but good. they were able to use those two fourth-round picks that they got back in the deal uh-huh. on heck and read. Oh, okay, yeah. Gotcha. So because the Dolphins wanted back the pick they originally sent in the deal, the Texans used that to find Reed and Heck. Okay. That's cool. Well, hopefully they pan out. So 2021 sixth rounder from Miami is the only thing that Texans continue to pick with, and then the first and second rounder from Miami that's left. Okay. So interesting situation. I like looking at those deals. You can look that on site. Okay, that's all. That's it. Anything else before we cut out? Sweet. <laughs> Where can they find us, Pat? Stateoftexas.com. <laughs> He's dying to hit these buttons. <laughs> look at that. There we go. I hit the right one. I was trying to figure out which one it was, so. We got a new mixer, and it's pretty awesome. <clears throat> yeah, we got all types of stuff on it. But you know where to follow Cleve, TX Cleaver. Claire doesn't tweet, or she doesn't want you to follow her. Mm-mm. Pat D. Stat, go like us on Facebook. Go look. Find us at all your major outlets for podcasts. <laughs> and hopefully we'll be back next week. Uh, tomorrow, um, when this podcast, later on in the day, defensive coordinator Anthony Weaver will be talking to Wednesday, right? Yeah. Yes, Wednesday wow. to media. So we'll be talking to him. No telling about what. So we'll have 
possibly more information next week. Possibly put together a podcast. We'll see how it goes. And until next time, we will talk to you all then. The moment you've all been waiting for. UFC Cleve is back. We finally have fights to talk about and a lot of them. So I'm just going to jump in. We'll cover this last pay-per-view, which every good person in America paid for or at least watched in some kind of way. This thing was so stacked. We had Thug Nasty Bryce Mitchell in the in the early prelims put on a masterful performance. It was a great start to the night. Span also won his fight. Wasn't as fun. But then you jump into another loaded undercard. Vicente Luque beat the dog crap out of Nico Price, who's always fun to watch because he's, you know, he can take a beating and likes to throw some crazy strikes. So Luque had a great showing. Women's fight was boring. Olenek, Verdum. Olenek won. They had by decision. You never like to see heavyweights go to a decision. Uh, it could have gone either way, in my opinion. Then you had the big fight for the undercard, which was Anthony Pettis versus Cerrone. Uh, Pettis got the decision. Uh, probably rightfully so. He did more than Cerrone did. Uh, Cerrone's always game. You know, he showed up. I know Stephen A. Smith says he wasn't game for his fight against Connor. But Stephen A is a moron. So, you know, it was a good fight. Uh, Anthony Pettis, I think, is is kind of underrated most nights. But let's get to the main the main uh, card here. Um, Greg Hardy, Claire's favorite fighter, uh, easily won a decision over this bum, Jorgen DeCastro. I hate to tell y'all, but Greg Hardy's developing. And um, I think he might stick around for a while. So he has a rare set of gifts physically and athletically. So it's good to see him still develop. Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Katar was the war that we were promised. I remember texting Pat like, get ready. This is going to be fun. Katar got the KO of Jeremy Stevens. It was a fantastic fight. All right. Francis Ngannou. Jarzinho Rosenstrike. Everybody was starting to jump on the Rosenstrike bandwagon. They forgot that Nganu has the strongest punch in the history of fighting. He reminded us 20 seconds into the fight. He went at Rosenstrike, sort of like Greg Hardy goes at guys. Wildly swinging haymakers, miss, 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 hit, he's out. And I don't mean out like, oh, it's a KO and he hops up. Mm-mm. Rosenstrike was time traveling after he caught that one on the chin from Nganu. The frustrating thing for Nganu is he can't be champion because you have Stipe dealing with an eye issue. You have Cormier ahead of him who will retire before he ever faces Nganu. And then it's Nganu. So what's he supposed to do? Stipe beat him once. Stipe's not beating him again. Stipe's the greatest heavyweight of all time. I think that's well established. But now, what's he supposed to do? To me, the smart move is Stipe and DC both retire, and Ganu's the heavyweight champion, and he'll be the heavyweight champion for the foreseeable future. I think that's how this goes down. Uh, Stipe, DC both have long careers ahead of them. Um, certainly DC more than Stipe. DC's a amazing on the mic but uh anyway then uh Cejudo Cruz mm, stupid fight nobody cares about 
The only upside is Cejudo retired, so bye-bye to the little Smurf. Then, Justin Gaethje against El Kukui, Tony Ferguson. Justin Gaethje put on an absolute clinic. Absolutely put himself atop the heap of the lightweight division. Incredible. If you can, go find that fight. Tony Ferguson has something wrong with him. He doesn't feel punches. Gaethje just just beat the hell out of him. It was outrageous. So that's enough of that fight. Happy with the UFC for putting it on. Uh, it's one of the rare things that Jacksonville's done that's worthwhile. It's host that fight. So the next up we have Wednesday, a fight night card at, seven, at uh, 8 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, the undercard's not as great as the previous one. But some decent matchups. And then, of course, Michael Johnson's on it. He always seems to make these. And Arlovsky, he shows up every time. Man, boring. Main card's a little more interesting. Um, fight I'm most excited about is Ben Rothwell against OSP, Ovin St. Pru. Just two old guys, veteran guys. Ben Rothwell fights like a zombie, and it's fantastic. Drew Dober, another interesting guy on this card. Um and then Ricky Simon, Ray Borg should be a good fight. The main event, Glover Teixeira against Anthony Smith. Look, both of these guys show up. Anthony Smith always performs well. Glover Teixeira is a G. He's been doing this for, judging by his face, 37 years. So that's another good, solid card for a free night. Is that all we have for fighting? No. There's another card Saturday as the UFC tries to up uphold their contract with ESPN in terms of the number of events they put on in a given year. I won't bore y'all with the undercard. It's not that great. One of my personal favorites, Matt Brown, who I kind of hoped wouldn't fight anymore. He's in the twilight of his career, but if he fights, I'm watching. So he's fighting as the lead fight on the prelims. And then the main card, eh, some decent, some decent fights. Marlon Vera against Song Yadong should be one of the better fights on this card. Pat's boy Eric Anders is on this one. Eric Anders, former Alabama football player. Eh, people still are excited about Edson Barbosa. I'm not one of them. And then the main event, Alistair Overeem against Walt Harris. This is a fight night sort of fight. Neither fighter's really going anywhere. Overeem's probably still, you know putting his face back together after uh, Rosenstrike caught him. But uh, Walt Harris is always game, and he's fighting for his daughter who was murdered last year. So that should be a decent fight. Look, I don't care who you put out there. I'm going to be watching. It's great to have the fights back. So enjoy Wednesday night, Saturday night, and then more in June. But for now, just go watch Justin Gaethje highlights and think to yourself, what planet would he put Connor on? That's it. That's all I got. Bye. Off that roof and be on your way. So don't waste your time arresting me. Cause on your paycheck is signed, trigger man filthy. I'm above the law. So don't feel cheated, Mr. Ness. Pull the egg in your shoe and beat it. There'll be a tree stand where you are when you get out. And if anybody runs, your boots out, cook em. Gave a smile to his boys and then said, Buckle, 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 buckle.